This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters and this is a show that kind of feels like one of those thanksgiving dinners where you know your mommy and daddy are just fighting a little too much <laughs> and like there's a fuse that's lit at that table and it could go off at any moment any moment who knows it could just be mashed potatoes flying everywhere it could be or it could be brian losing his shit because today we are talking about The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring from 2001, directed by the Peter fucking Jackson. By Peter Jackson. Our lovely, lovely patrons hit two stretch goals from donating to the Extra Life Foundation last month. The first movie they got to pick was Time Cop, and the second one that they chose was this one here, The Lord of the Rings. And it was mostly to spite Brian. It was almost entirely to spite me. I felt bad, but also not because yeah, of course. I love this movie and this series. Brian, what are your thoughts about this movie? Not so much serious. Let's just go with this movie. To each their own. That's, that's all I can say. I'm not going to yuck your yum, but I don't know. Not my cup of tea. Is it a cup of tea? Like maybe to Ted Lasso? <laughs> yeah, I'd probably liken this to some dirt water. To garbage water. <laughs> No, it's not that bad. I, I, I've talked a lot of shit about this movie, but, you know, it has its merits. I know we had a compromise on this one because you said, if I have to watch The Lord of the Rings at any point, you want it to be theatrical because you want it to be over faster. And yet. And yet it is still three hours long. Yes. This is my Ugh. first time seeing this movie theatrical since the theater. I've lived in the extended cuts. I mean, you kind of have to. Once you're there, you're there forever. You are, and there are some things that are missing, and it was weird. I didn't notice them, so. That's <laughs> <laughs> very, 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 very fair. Do you just want to get into it? We're about to walk a lot. Yeah, we're going to do, a, we're going to get our steps in for sure. These hobbit feet were made for walking. That's just what they'll do. One of these days, these hobbit feet. I don't think they're going to walk all over you so much. They're just going to fall backwards a lot and stumble about. Yeah. Like, I feel like the a Hobbit's, like, weight ratio is just thrown all askew just from having big, hairy feet. It's Frodo falls a lot. We'll get there. <laughs> yes, he does. Like any good story, before we even get started, I got to give you, like, 10 minutes of backstory exposition. <laughs> there's so much! So there's, like, a shitload of magical power rings. Mankind has nine of them, some bitches. The dwarves have, like, seven. The elves who are immortal only get three. And then there's a cheat code ring. Forged by Sauron in the fires of Mount Doom, it can control all the other rings. I both hated and loved that. Good. <laughs> so a bunch of elves and men go to war with Sauron and his forces, and Sauron himself takes the battlefield and kills the king of Gondor, who's a pretty big deal, I guess. So his son grabs his father's broken sword and chops off Sauron's fingers, obviously separating him from the ring. Now it turns out, Sauron's life is bound to the ring, so dude ain't actually gone unless the ring itself is destroyed. But little new king, guy, 
<laughs> decides he's going to take the ring from himself and refuse to destroy it on account of its great power. Sure, with great power comes great responsibility. We all know how it goes, Brian. With great ring comes great selfishness or whatever. He's later ambushed and killed by a bunch of orcs, losing the ring in a river for a long-ass time. The ring is found 2,500 years later by Gollum, played, of course, by Andy fucking Circus. In this scene, it wasn't Andy Circus voicing it. Or no, was it this it whole movie? Or was it just this scene? I think it's just this scene. Okay. It's Dominic Monaghan who plays Mary. Right. Which is wild. I mean... If you can do the voice, you can do the voice, I guess. But then it makes me think, like, chicken the egg situation here with this voice. That's true. I need an answer on that. I'd imagine Andy Serkis had some input, or Peter Jackson had some, you know, direction, being the director. <laughs> but still, I don't know. Director's gonna direct. They're just not always sure when they should cut stuff out. Okay, the snark level. Let's <laughs> pull it back just a tiny, itty All right. bit. I just, I just... I've been watching a lot of Peter Jackson stuff lately, and it's all super long and unnecessarily so. Yeah, it takes his sweet ass time. Have you watched The Beatles Get Back? Of course I have. Like Nick Cage in The Rock, you know I'm a Beatle maniac. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's great. It's an awesome insight into what it's actually like in the creative process in the room while they make a record or whatever. But it is seven hours and 48 minutes long, and literally. In the third episode, six hours into this documentary, the people in the documentary say, we don't even have a story yet for the documentary. But then John openly says, oh, I think this thing's just beginning. It's like, yeah, this is great. That's just a director man who didn't know what he actually had. He's holding gold in his hands. And he goes, the fuck is this? I'm going to go smoke a cigar and hang out with the Beatles. Because <laughs> that's all he does. Just why are we not having a story until hour six? There was plenty of story leading up to it. If you can't see the forest for the trees, then that's on you, buddy. Well, if the trees would just stay still. That's next movie. We'll get there. <laughs> we will not get there. We absolutely will. We have we opened might. this box of goodness, this trilogy. We're going, baby. Pandora's box would have been appropriate because Pandora makes rings. That's true. Yes. But uh, unfortunately, the only thing left in there was hope, and that is reserved for a DC property. Fair. So Gollum takes the ring underground for 500 more years, giving him unnaturally long life. And then the ring decides it's had enough of this dude and rolls away. Yeah, it just bounced its way on out of that cave. Just like, hey, I know enough of this guy with the weird voice. I'm going to go find somebody else. And it's found by a little hobbit named Bilbo Baggins, played by Ian Holm. Ian fucking Holm, thank you. Sure. God damn it. <laughs> Bilbo returns to his home in the Shire with the ring, and we fast forward 60 years. Got all that? We're about to start the movie now. But here's the thing. Would you, a fucking dickhole that walks <laughs> on land and snarks its way through this film, do you consider this opening bit necessary in order to tell the grander story, to establish stakes? Kind of. Yes and no. I don't know. The first time I kind of ignored this whole part, and I did not like the movie as much the first time I watched it. So maybe, maybe it is. Necessary is a weird word, but... Why is it a weird word? Because I don't think it necessarily needed to be seven minutes long. Seven minutes is not that bad, considering we just watched like a JCVD movie that had nine minutes of credits, where there's flashing names up all willy-nilly whenever <laughs> they want. That's, that's fair, but I don't, I don't know. It's, um, it feels like I had to sit through a class before I could enjoy the movie. The reason I ask is because this was a huge point of contention between Peter Jackson and the producers. The producers did not want this 
in the movie. And Peter Jackson said, we absolutely need to have this in the movie. It establishes everything that's to come. It shows where the power is, where the different allegiances lie between like the dwarves, the elves, the men, the yada, yada, yada. I think that this is a bit of a stroke of genius. And it's funny because we'll get there with the two towers. Is Peter Jackson said, I don't want this anymore. And the producer said, we absolutely need to have this in this movie. It's like, <laughs> you just fought over the same thing on opposite sides of two different movies, guys. What are we doing? Silly. I love this opening. Turns out nobody knows what they want. It's true. Unless it's that damn ring. Everybody wants that damn ring. So we rejoin Bilbo 60 years later at his 111th birthday party, where he decides he's stunting on everyone. He's going to peace out and try to make it as an author. His wizard friend Gandalf, Sir Ian fucking McKellen, I will give him a fucking because he, he is Ian McKellen. That's true. He's like, what was that bullshit you pulled with the turning invisible after your speech? I'm supposed to be the magical one. You know, fireworks and glowing sticks. Magic stuff. Right, and he even shows it off because he's driving to town on his little horse and buggy and all the kids want to see the fireworks. And then you get uh, Mary and Pip, who we don't know yet. We don't we will. know them yet. But they steal firework and there's a dragon and you shouldn't have fireworks that dangerous that are fire-breathing dragons that just fly that close to the ground and then explode in the distance. And that's got to yeah. make all the people who weren't invited to this party feel awfully bad. It sure is. Let's not forget that this is a, a wizard, and he should be able to make magical explosions in the sky without having physical fireworks. But what if there's different rules established for certain wizards within different universi? Well, if that's the case, this wizard is pretty nerfed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we will get there. <laughs> Gandalf continues, you better leave that ring to your nephew when you leave. And Bilbo's like, I don't wanna. And Gandalf is like, bruh. So Bilbo leaves the ring for his nephew Frodo, played by Elijah Wood. He does, and it is a bit weird how much this ring kind of, like, commands Gandalf's attention out of nowhere. Yeah. Because this is about Bilbo leaving at this point. He wants to go off. He's got one adventure left. Gandalf doesn't even seem to give a shit about that. He's like, no, you gotta leave that ring, bro. You gotta leave that ring. <laughs> you can go, but don't take the ring with you. The ring that I just learned about. 15 minutes ago. The, the ring that 15 minutes ago he said, hey, wait, that ring might be something. Who knows how, if he knows how long he's had the ring. Well, he could have gotten like a weird vibe out of the ring when Bilbo drops on the ground and the ring just sticks. And it's because <laughs> they used a magnet floor for it in order to like show the weight of this ring. Oh, yeah. Which I yeah. loved. Great touch. It's a great touch. One of those things you, you really notice. The ring doesn't bounce, but Bilbo's foot does. You feel good about this, Brian? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Carry on! So Carry Bilbo, on! So Bilbo makes like a tree and walks away. We're not there yet! I know, but I had to make the joke. Gandalf tells Frodo not to wear the ring, keep it a secret, and sit tight while he goes off and researches it and shit. But that's because Gandalf goes to reach down for the ring, and the ring's like, fuck you. And Gandalf's like, "Ah, oh, fuck me. All right, can't touch that. Damn, I had, like, visions of flaming vaginas on pedestals when I touched that ring. I admittedly was not expecting, like, a real metal Georgia O'Keeffe reference there. Just, like, <laughs> a flaming vagina on top of a large spire. So just as Magneto expected, the ring is the ring. But I like, like, the test that he has to do for it. How he asks Frodo to dig the ring up, and it's just in a, a chest. He takes yes. it, throws in the fire, 
And then he grabs it right away and hands it to Frodo. He's like, it's quite cool now. It's like, how are you supposed to trust that? That is metal on fire. I've watched enough fortune fire. No, don't get near that thing. Exactly. And I love that he picks it up with the tongs and then just drops it into Frodo's hand like, here, you test this. <laughs> but I like how he's like, is there anything written in this ring? And he's like, no. Oh, wait, yes. And you have like this form of elfish that goes around the ring. I like that he says, oh, wait, yes, before the text shows up. But yeah, that's just called editing. That's how you, you get back in there. He saw it popping in there. Shut the yeah, fuck yeah, up, yeah. Brian. <laughs> so yeah, it's the ring, which is, you know, not ideal from Gandalf's perspective. He's like, ah, crap. And conveniently, it turns out there are some people coming looking for it right now. Not 60 years ago when Gollum lost it, but now. Right, because now it's been worn and it woke up. But I don't know how the shits in Mordor became alive so quickly or if they were building already. Who or knows? I'm trying to keep every bit to the movie that we're watching. Nothing yeah. outside of it except for the walking trees bit because that's funny as hell. It is funny. But nothing outside of the Fellowship but of the Ring. But nothing else. <laughs> Gandalf tells Frodo to GTFO and meet him at a bar in Bree. He's going to go talk to his wizard buddy and then meet him there. Frodo's friend Samwise Gamgee, played by Sean fucking Aston, overhears everything. And Gandalf tells him, well, you know too much. Now you have to go too. I like how he like punishes him with friendship. He's like, how dare you eavesdrop? You have to be friends. Go forever. <laughs> they were already Prote friends Protect to start, him or whatever. But now he's got a boon companion as a punishment. So Gandalf goes to Isengard to talk with Saruman the White, played by Christopher Lee. Christopher fucking Lee, what are you doing? <sighs> I don't know if he gets a fucking. Are you out of your fucking mind, Brian? He is royalty. I, I'm sure, but in this movie, he's playing an evil guy who you can tell is evil when you're supposed to not know he's evil yet. So sometimes subtlety got checked at the door. I'll give you that. <laughs> it's like, hey, this guy doesn't look like he's very friendly. No, he was really, really old. And also, he's the only person from this movie who actually knew Tolkien. Oh, yeah. And Tolkien's like, yeah, if we ever do a movie, you could be Gandalf. And then he got way too old to play the old wizard. And that's a problem. <laughs> That's got to be like the weirdest bit of ageism that's ever happened. Yeah. Like, oh, you're, you're too old to play the old guy. <laughs> you can play the older guy. It's one of those things like, ah, oh, man, you're just not a believable 70 anymore. <laughs> 75 <laughs> or whatever it might be. Yeah, we're going to slap prosthetics all over this guy, but oh, no, no, no. Trying to keep it somewhat believable here. Yeah, for all this wizards and furry feet folk. Exactly. It's so believable. They live in Gotta holes. Got to be grounded in, in realism. <laughs> what realism could there possibly be? I don't know. There is no realism, Brian. Get over it. Let's keep walking. Saruman is like, the ring wraiths are out there hunting down whoever has a ring, and they're going to kill him. And Gandalf is like, I have to warn Frodo. But Saruman is like, actually, I'm a bad guy. I'm not going to let you do that. And then they have a wizard battle, which sounds badass, but it's really just two old guys waving their sticks around and falling over. That's pretty much what it is with the occasional, like, long throw in there every now and then. Sure. It's just a lot of old dudes falling over, waving their sticks at each other. Like, if there were a geriatric Olympics, where it's not so much geriatric <laughs> people competing, but you're using them as the instruments in order to compete <laughs> in track and field. That's what this would be. Am I a bad person if I my first thought was I would watch that? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think I might be a bad person. You might be a bad person, but at the same time, a little curious. Saruman wins by sending Gandalf flying up to the roof of his tower, where he's forced to watch Saruman build an army and make weapons and breed super predator orcs. They look like Predator. They do look like Predator. They got the, the dreads and the, the weird mouth and the pig nose. I don't think Predator had a pig nose. Predator didn't have a pig nose. Wasn't Predator's like always wet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These orcs are always wet. Always wet. Always ready to go. <laughs> Is that how you determine the readiness of an orc? Oh, send that orc back into the ground. He's not wet enough. On the way to Bree, Frodo and Sam run into Tweedledee and Tweedledum. I mean, Mary and it. Pip, played by <laughs> Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd. These guys don't have much else going on, so they're like, hey, we'll follow you. Why not? And Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact Fire for you. Fire away! I'm having a ball, despite you as a whole. The four actors playing the young hobbits would have to go into makeup at 5 a.m. and stand for an hour and a half while their prosthetic feet were being applied. Sean Astin's personal makeup artist doing this was named Sean Foote. That's fantastic. Isn't it? It's like he was born for this. Finally, my calling. <laughs> Mom, Dad, you know he wanted to change our stupid last name when we were little? <laughs> I'm glad we didn't. I'm Sean Foote, and I work on Sean Astin's feet. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The four hobbits are forced to hide from a ringwraith who's hot on their tail on account of sensing the ring, because they can sense the ring. To a point, yes. But they can't quite find it. Right. (laughs) It's like they get in just the general vicinity of the ring, and he just goes, Yeah. I wish I had eyes. This would be so much easier than this. I know I'm close, but... This very vague nose that I use. If the fucker would just put it on, I'd know exactly where it was, but right now... I just know that I'm so close. Do you think these ring rates can see? No, I don't think they can. Like, do you just feel like they go off a sense? Some sort of some sort of ring sense. Like, oh, he went to Jared. Follow that trail. I don't even know if it'd be Jared. Which one is the one with the, with the, the silhouettes? Oh, yeah. Um, is it De Beers. That's it, I think. And it would be like, that's what they see the entire time. It's just these silhouettes yeah. moving across. And he's like, oh. What did the guy look like? I, I don't know. It <laughs> he was, was just like a, a shadowy shadow. figure with a ring. I think they can see within whatever that ring realm is when Frodo puts on the like ring. the but shadow land or he whatever hasn't done it is. He not done that yet. Yeah, so. that's true. So the hobbits manage to outrun him and his other fellow ring wraiths because the demon horse can't jump as far as a hobbit or is afraid of water or something. Terrified of water. These horses don't like water. No, and for a bunch of wet folk that they presumably like lord over they don't want to be wet themselves and i get it it's it's definite classism there on the mordor side oh absolutely anyway they make it to brie only to find out that gandalf isn't there yet but there is a mysterious cloaked figure in the corner watching them intently can i ask you a quick question here sure please tell me that you loved billy boyd's reaction to mary getting a full pint they beer. have full pints? And he lost his mind. <laughs> and it's the most relatable thing I've ever seen on film. Yes, it was pretty great. I will give you that. It was pretty great. Also, there is a cat in this scene. And long story short, the final musing is, cats didn't need to evolve for Middle Earth. They were perfect already. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Oh, that's not the only fun thing I found while, while looking around at our usual haunts for this movie. I went on to... Cringe MDB, knowing that this was going to be a certified parent safe movie. 
But what I didn't account for was while I was searching for it on CringeMDB, a different movie came up called The Lord of the G-Strings, <laughs> The Female Ship of the String. I don't know if they're trying to rhyme or just double down. Well, I mean, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring is the same idea. I suppose so. So they did just double down the right Lord way. Lord of the G-Strings, The Female of the String. That is the, the appropriate way the to female ship. pay homage to something, isn't it? Yeah, it's about uh, Dildo Saggins. Sure. And um, she is a seductive throbbit. It's a she, wasn't ready for that. Entrusted with the task of destroying the all-powerful G-string. Okay. Possessor untold powers. This all checks out so far. If you're wondering, it is certified cringeworthy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are sex scenes and nudity, so not safe to watch with your parents or kids. I will give you the safe movie alternatives. I cannot wait for this For one. Lord of the G-Strings. Uh, guess what? Lord of the Rings, not one of them. Yeah, not a single one of be. them show up. There's sure. only three suggestions for this movie. Hot Fuzz, Naked Gun 33 and a Third, and Zombieland. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. I don't know where they get their stuff from ever. It doesn't make any sense, but and I And how is it. Hot Fuzz on the list? It's so violent. Hot Fuzz is certified uncringeworthy because there's no sex scenes or nudity. I have to imagine then that these cringe folks just like Bible Belt. Oh, must like, be. Oh, no, go to town on anybody you want. You can fuck him up as best you want. Don't fuck him, though. Unless there's a ring involved. And this movie has got a big time ring thing going on. As long as there's a ring on it, it's okay. But this movie's about G-strings instead of rings. You can't put a G-string on somebody's finger. If you like, you should have put a G-string on it. <laughs> Different music video entirely isn't it very different actually probably <laughs> similar we would still have a fun dance have you ever seen anybody try to do that dance i've like, seen people successfully do that oh dance. i was i've only seen people do it ironically i have done it ironically in front of you before i believe yes you have so and you weren't even the one i was thinking of oh good i just outed myself <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to the ring movie not the g-string movie sorry to disappoint you I'll watch the other one in my own time. Perfect. <laughs> Not in everyone else's. When Frodo trips at the bar and the ring falls directly onto his finger and he disappears in front of everyone, three things happen. One, my suspension of disbelief is tested. Two, the ring wraiths now know where he is, generally speaking. And three, the cloaked dude, Stryker, played by Vigo fucking Mortensen, springs into action to help hide Frodo and friends. I agree that your suspension of disbelief should be suspended briefly here because (laughs) this is a one in a million shot for this ring to just happen to land. It is an iconic shot now. Sure. I mean, I imagine it's a great hero shot for the trailer, but. But the part that bugs me most about this scene is he just disappears in the middle of this floor as he's surrounded by people. Yeah. And then he reappears. And no one seems to care. No one gives a Nobody shit Nobody reacts. No one does anything. It's like, where'd the little fella come from? That's the kind of bar I want to hang out at. Where everyone's just having such a good time. That they don't even care when people are legit disappearing and reappearing. That would have been the best episode of Cheers ever. Oh, absolutely. I can just see Cliff Clavin sitting there at that bar, just going like, oh, little fact. And then he does the whole nine-minute exposition at the beginning of the episode <laughs> that you see at the beginning of the movie, and he just does it, just to everybody. Just all of it. And they all just take it. And even Carl is just like looking at him, just like, I fucking hate you, Cliff. I've never <laughs> wanted to kill you more. I really thought you were going to go into like an alternate universe cheers where half of the bar got Thanos snapped and everybody else just went along as business as usual. Didn't even notice. <laughs> They're just like, oh yeah, people disappear around here all the time and then come back. 
It's fine. That kind of does happen, though. That's true. It's like Coach just was gone one day. And that's always a weird story because the guy who played Coach actually died, but they talked about him like he was just on vacation. And that's forever. The, one of the weirdest things you could do. Well, I mean, Forrest Gump's mom tried it, too. That's a good point. <laughs> now, I don't know if the ring wraiths found them by checking the innkeeper's books or what, but they made it all the way to Bree, to the inn, and couldn't kill the hobbits because of Stryker's masterful tactic of room switching. Yeah, he hit across the street. Ah, what a genius got move. Got him. I've never understood how that one worked. Uh, you know, you got to fake them out that people are going to get stabbed. Oh, hello, innkeeper. Have you seen four little ones roaming around? Ooh, what room. <laughs> it's a genius maneuver that's not. It's fine. You and know? then these ring rays also just start stabbing pillows that are under the blankets. Like, that's the oldest trick in the book. Exactly. Even though they did say they had hobbit rooms. That's true. So maybe the ring race just like, no, I've stayed here before. The hobbit rooms <laughs> are up there. Let's just go wildly stabbing beds in the hobbit rooms. <laughs> if we commit hobbit genocide, there's a good chance we'll get them. <laughs> Easiest way to kill the hobbit is to kill all the hobbits. <laughs> and the hobbits have to be the friendliest people in this world. Oh, yeah. Because they're just in their own part of Middle Earth, just the farthest away from Mordor. Yeah. For, for plot reasons. <laughs> of course. We need to walk. <laughs> they need to walk so far. We can't have them next door. What's the point of that? That's one book, We genetically one engineered their feet to be able to do this journey. We exactly. need to make them get their steps in. There were millennia involved in getting those hobbit feet ready to go. Speaking of getting going, Stryker agrees to lead them to Rivendell. Another place with a made-up name that the movie treats like Chicago or Miami and just assumes you know where it is. Yep. So they travel for a bit, and they end up at some ruins in the woods that are apparently known as Weathertop. Naturally, the Ringwraiths find them again, thanks to Sam, Mary, and Pip cooking over a very not-incognito fire. But they point out how not-incognito it is by yelling to put it out. <laughs> Strider fights them off, but Frodo gets stabbed with a death sword thing, and he's totally going to die if they don't get him to Rivendell immediately. Luckily, just at that moment, an Aerosmith song starts. <laughs> I was waiting for this. <laughs> Enter Arwen, Liv Tyler with pointy ears. Right. Even though I don't think I've ever seen her normal ears. Yeah, I'm not sure. So I it's like, either. I don't know what prosthetics went into it. Like, I totally buy her pointy ears. Like, maybe she actually just has pointy ears. It's they possible. They didn't have to put prosthetics on her. I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Sure. Liv Tyler deepened her voice so much to play Arwen that her father, Steven Tyler, asked her if her voice had been dubbed by someone else. Well, I mean, if Steven Tyler weren't on tour all the time, fucking everything that moved, he would understand <laughs> who his daughter is. <laughs> so really, this thing is just about the weakness of their relationship. I mean, maybe. Or maybe it's just Liv Tyler's so good at doing this right here that even Steven Tyler didn't know who she was anymore. You're going to sling blade again, aren't you? Uh, I was really <laughs> close. I don't think I wrote in any lines spoken by Arwen. Otherwise, that is definitely the voice I would do for them from this point on. I guess we'll find out. In my head canon now, Arwen might as well be William Robert Thornton from Slingblade. <laughs> Mmm, French fried potatoes. 
It's going to be so good using that voice in the scenes that are coming up with Aragorn. I cannot wait. So she takes Frodo on her horse and races towards Rivendell, and the Ringwraiths follow her, but luckily she says some magic words that make horse water appear in the river and wash all the bad guys away. Sure! I guess it makes sense now why those horses hated water so much. They're one elf away from getting wiped out at all times. Extra hydrated brethren are just waiting around the bend to <laughs> take them away. And then finally, Frodo blacks out and we can skip forward a tiny bit. We sure can. Oh, God, I've been waiting for like a cut for so long. Because this movie is so action-packed for being about walking. <sighs> sure. At this point, I'm already, I've already looked at my watch like two times. Like, how far are we in? This is like two hours, right? No. No, no, you might no. be 40 minutes? 45 minutes? I, I don't even know. Honestly, I don't think I do either, but my head's also all messed up too because I'm thinking extended things. Sure. And there's only like one real scene that I think stood out that was missing. We'll get there. Healed by Arwen's father, Elrond, played by Hugo Weaving, not Steven Tyler. Good! Frodo wakes up in Rivendell, and the gang's all here. Gandalf escapes Saruman's tower by whispering sweet nothings to a moth that delivered a message to a giant bird that would certainly come in handy for the rest of the story, but they don't use him. No, that is like the most famous thing, too, about Lord of the Rings. Is like, you had a giant fucking bird. This Use whole the time. giant bird. Like, but you know the rules of this ring are yeet ring into the volcano, and it will destroy the ring. Yeah. And you're choosing to just walk instead of fly on and it. you can fly, yeah. Well, that bird comes and rescues Gandalf, and then the bird is gone forever. I do have another actual IMDb trivia fact. Okay. This might be the last one. That seems fast. F considering there were like 300 of them, I narrowed it down to three. So You sent me the picture of how many there were, and I went, oh, he's going to hate this. I can't believe I got through them all. Anyway, the moth to which Gandalf whispers was born shortly before filming that day and died soon after the scene was finished. That was either a really long day of filming, or I do not know how moths work. I have no idea how moths work. So, at least we know that that moth got to live in the limelight. It might be like the first ever, like, true 15 minutes of fame. Spent his life chasing his dream of being a Hollywood moth. It's like they just take his corpse and, like, pin it in one of those, like, shadow boxes or whatever rich <laughs> people do on the wall to show off dead butterflies. I don't know. Sure. But that's what Peter Jackson has on his wall in his office is just this moth pinned up there like do you recognize this moth but it's on like the backdrop is a hollywood square <laughs> absolutely it is but not center square of course not it's the moth or even better well, hollywood walk of fame one of the uh it's got like the moth prince lay the dead moth on the ground and get like a baseball tamp just, the square, <laughs> just push it into the concrete <laughs> he died doing what he loved mothing uh oh we can't get him out that's a fo uh, Hollywood fossil now, isn't it? Life uh, finds a way. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> Back to Rivendell. So Frodo's there. Gandalf's there. Strider, Pip, Mary, and Rudy are all there too. Yeah, I called them Rudy. Yeah, the gang's all here. And the difference between Sean Astin being Rudy and being Samwise Gamgee is this story's weirdly more believable. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fair. Have you heard stories about Rudy? Outside of like... The movie? Yeah. No. Oh, God, I've heard that it's all just bullshit. And then he still just hangs around, like, the locker room and 
weight room, just like, <laughs> Rudy. <laughs> Rudy. <laughs> Gang's all here. Even Bilbo is there. And he's like, hey, take this chainmail. That'll be super helpful in a couple scenes. Can I touch the ring? Give me the ring. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I suck. Goodbye forever, probably. Okay, you clearly have missed the whole entire point of this movie, haven't you, Brian? Have I? I think you're choosing to miss it, though. Because this is actually a really good scene, because Bilbo recognizes the burden that he's placed on Frodo here. Yeah, that's why I said, oh god, I'm sorry, I suck. Okay. <laughs> Want to yeet you into a volcano? <laughs> you know what, you might need to at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> I can promise everybody right now that you are going to see the most contentious super stuff scoring that we've ever done at the end of this episode. Yeah, probably. I promise. That checks out. Carry on with the walking! <laughs> <laughs> Plus, we have all these new friends, like Boromir, played by Sean Bean, who's a figurehead in Gondor, which, again, pretty big deal. And there's Legolas, played by Orlando Bloom, who's an elf. And Gimli, played by John Rhys Davies, who's a dwarf. And you know, dwarves and elves, they don't get along very well. Or so I'm told. And there's a lot of infighting happening right now about who's going to take this ring and simply walk into Mordor and throw it into the, the fires. Right, and that's how memes are born. It is exactly how memes are born. And I like how they all recognize the past that this ring has, because even Boromir knows, like, ah, my ancestors fucked up pretty hard by not destroying this thing, but... Yeah, but... It's got a lot of power. Not gonna lie, be pretty sweet on this fingy. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, like, it corrupted people from my, from where I'm from, but it might not... No, it would definitely corrupt me, too. Let me get that ring, let me get that ring. So they're all fighting. And then, of course, Lil Frodo just Lil pops Frodo. up there, and he's like, I'll do it, but I don't know the way. It's like, you got this far, bud. You're doing all right. I get that it took you getting stabbed to get to this save point in this movie, <laughs> but still. Yeah, I've already been stabbed. What's the worst that could happen? And now I got this crazy chain mail that is unstabbable, so this seems fine. Yeah, and Gandalf is like, ah, oh, you son of a bitch. I love that look that he gives him, though, because it's like a mixture of, a fucking course he's going to do that. Right. Like, you would, but also, ah. Uh... He tried protecting him, but now he's going to have to go the rest of the way with him to, you know, protect him in person now. Not right. just from a distance. Right. And, of course, all of his friends are going to come with him. They seem like they're just going to hinder the operation. It seems like at least two of them are very much just going to get in the way. But comedically. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great while they do it. Yeah. It's important <laughs> to know. That they're going to get in the way, but it is going to be funny and charming while they do it. I, they're actually my favorite part of the second movie, so. That's very, very fair. Even though they're riding a tree the entire time. <laughs> and they're wonderful at it. They're the best tree riders I've ever seen. Can't imagine if, like, Disney Parks bought that ride. It would just be like you going in really slow motion across a field. <laughs> but the tree looks amazing. No, it's, it's an interesting metaphor that they're so high on trees. There's a lot of drug use. There's so, so much. much. So much. God, I have to imagine that if Gandalf was alive today, he would still be talking about Jerry Garcia. Still. <laughs> Quick question, still. Still talking about Jerry Garcia. Still. Quick question for you, young hobbit. What are your feelings on Wolfrat? <laughs> that is the only Grateful Dead song I know off the top of my head. You've got me beat. <laughs> we should also note that Legolas blows up Strider's spot and reveals that he's actually Aragorn, the rightful heir to the throne of Gondor, which again, big deal. It is a really big deal. Huge deal. Oh, 
And Liv Tyler gives him her magic animal cracker that gives her immortality so that now he has immortality. Right. But didn't Liv Tyler also give her animal cracker to Frodo to keep him alive a little bit longer while he was dying on the ground when she could have still been riding the horse? Maybe. I don't know. Like, that's the part that bothered me this time. She's like, oh, take whatever power I have. Give it to him. Keep him alive just a little bit longer because we're uh, an unknown amount of distance away from Rivendell. And then she's standing there with Aragorn and she's like, oh, I'm going to be mortal now. It seems like the stakes are out the window already. Yeah. Like, weren't you just? Didn't you? No? Okay. But I don't know. Like, that's, it was so weird watching it this time. Like, that's the impression that I got out of this. I don't know. And I've read the books and I don't know. This one felt weird. It's just uh, Liv Tyler, Liv Tylering all over the screen, really. She's just taking advantage of the handsome man going like, ah, I'll become mortal for you. And she turns and breaks the fourth wall of the audience. Don't tell. <laughs> And then, of course, you have your scene with a, uh, all of the new friends join in. You have my sword and my bow and my axe, and everybody's having a grand old time, and the nine of them are dubbed the hot tub time machine. Yes, they are. And this feels like the appropriate time to tell this story. I've only been sent to the principal's office one time in my life. Oh. And I'm proud of that. I need to know. I was a good boy. More. It was my math teacher in ninth grade, freshman year high school. And this guy was just obsessed with calculators. It was bizarre. He might as well have worked for like Texas Instruments because he just kept talking these things up so much. So this guy was not a large man. He was a very short, stout man with a beard and glasses. Okay. (laughs) One day he's talking up all this calculator mumbo jumbo. We're like, just teach us math, man. Don't tell us how to punch buttons in. And of course, one student forgot their calculator, says, oh, you can have my calculator. To which I said... And my sword. And the best part about it was from the back of the room, one of my buddies says, and my bow. And then uh, the better part about it was one of the girls from across the room said, and my axe. That's amazing. All three of us out the door instantly. And I was just like, fucking worth it. I expected something juicier to get sent to the principal's office. It sounds like this guy just had a stick up his butt because he looked like Gimli. What would you expect me to do that's juicier? I don't know. I don't it's true. Do You're things. a good boy. <laughs> you got sent to the principal's office for quoting Lord of the Rings. Yeah. No wonder you have to defend this movie so hard. I <laughs> <laughs> get you some nerd cred right there. I guess so. And all the lady was impressed. Because <laughs> she got sent out of the principal's office with me. I was upset that she got the axe line, though. Like, yeah. I was pissed that I started with the sword line. It's like, wow, I took the weak one. But if you didn't get the ball rolling, who no one That ball would have just stayed stationary. Exactly. You just would have thought it, and you'd been like, nobody? Really? Okay. It's like, that's hysterical to only me. That's <laughs> a sad out, place to live. <laughs> turns out it was hysterical to three people. That's right. And not a teacher. <laughs> no, not at all. So this fellowship of the rings, they march off to Mordor to destroy the ring the only way you can, by throwing it into the fires of Mount Doom. And no, it's not like a direct walk. There's going to be some stops along the way. Yeah, there's plenty of shit in the way. First, a bunch of birds are going to fly over and tell Saruman that they're going through the mountains. So, of course, he causes an avalanche, which makes them go, well, maybe we go to the mines instead. Obviously, this is not ideal, or they would have gone that way to begin with. And Gandalf is not super pumped about it, foreshadowing. He's not super pumped about it, even in the past, because Saruman calls him out. He's like, ah, you won't go for the mines. You won't do it. You're scared you down there, you bud. Do that. You won't do it. So I'm going to make you. 
So they go to the mines, they get past the giant squid monster that attacked them at the moonlit gate, where they solve the riddle and say the secret word and enter into the mines that are just littered with dead dwarves, just everywhere. This door riddle has always bothered me, because the door is all lit up, it looks great, and it says, speak friend and enter. And then Gandalf just starts saying things and the door's not opening. Yeah. And then presumably time passed because everyone looks bored. And Frodo's like, hey, how do you say friend and dwarfish? And he says it. And the door opens like, Gandalf, you are an almighty wizard who reads so many books in this movie. How did you not figure that riddle out? It's like a pretty obvious one, really. I wouldn't even call it a play on words. That's just like, it's giving you the directions. I was going to say, this isn't a riddle. It's just the thing to do. Like <laughs> It's instructions. Ikea is somehow less direct than what this all magical door <laughs> says on it. If this is a riddle, then putting together a calyx shelf is, I don't know, <laughs> brain surgery. Is that a brand of shelf that they have? It is. The calyx is one of the most popular. Why do you know this? I'm an Ikea aficionado. Learning new things about me all the time. That'd be such a weird thing to be an aficionado of. It really would. Hi, Brian, Ikea enthusiast. How you doing? <laughs> Could I interest you in the specs of a Besta? That's two. That's two that you know. <laughs> Oh, the lack shelves. That's three. What do they do? They're shelves. I thought there was like something special behind it. And I have to no. feel like their shelves are the things you want to buy because they probably involve the least amount of assembly, therefore least amount of missing parts. Well, they're floating shelves with no visible hardware. That's why they're called lack. That checks out. Those Swedes. Yeah. I know some things about Ikea. Wait, why do I know so much about Ikea? I don't Ikea? know. This is so weird. This is interesting. I'm learning things about myself now. Back to the minds of Moria. With the dead dwarves. With the dead dwarves. Littering the floor that nobody Everywhere. sees until it's dramatically appropriate. Right. They're, I mean, they're very hard to miss unless, you know, for plot reasons, you need to notice them later. <laughs> they're like skipping over these things. Like they might as well be going to Six Flags with a hop, skip, and jumping they're doing <laughs> to get around these dwarf corpses. And after they're like a good hundred feet in, they're like, this isn't a mine. This is a doom. And then they're like, oh, no. It's a good thing Gandalf used his flashlight spell. This is the worst practical effect of the movie, in my mind. Because he's like <laughs> blowing into it like, like just, ah, this is director Peter Jackson, just blow until it turns on. That's, uh, I wonder how often he uses that line. <laughs> Uh, famous fuck machine, Peter Jackson. That's that's what they call him, actually. That's right. Peter fuck machine Jackson. <laughs> A quick question, babe. Do you know the Beatles? Neither did I, but watched nine hours of them. <laughs> Never met them. <laughs> but I did get all this awesome footage somewhere. I'm going to slap it together. Just going to lock myself into this room and start editing the Beatles. And by editing, I mean I'm just going to hit play. Just hit That's play. the documentary. <laughs> just watch the entire month. That's it. I set a record for editing in a documentary where I did nine in nine hours. <laughs> I like how neither of us got anywhere close to a New Zealand accent. Nope, no, no, we're <laughs> near it. Way closer to British. It was way closer to British. I was basically doing a we British We might as well accent. just do British. Back to the minds of Moria. Again. Again. Continued. Naturally, within the walls of this place where, where they're like, ah, dwarves, and Gimli is throwing a hissy fit, Pip does something dumb, and a whole shitload of orcs start attacking them. 
he bumps into like this other corpse and knocks it down a well. And I love how long this goes on for. It is. Yeah. Because it's like multiple things falling down the well. You have the corpse falling down, then it has a chain attached to it, which is attached <laughs> to a bucket. It's like, this is great. I actually really love this every single time. It's a and fun then all gag. shit breaks loose. Yeah, I feel like Pip doesn't get the same kind of hate that Star-Lord gets. I think that's appropriate, though. Okay. I think Star-Lord warrants it just a little bit more. I don't know. To each their own. And I'm just looking at it in the scope of fellowship. I want to point that out there again. But yes, to each their own. Joining these orcs, of course, is also a giant troll, which is never what you want to see, because they're very strong and, you know, can take a, take a whooping. They can. And I love the way they set this up, because they do barricade the door that's there to, like, this separate tomb room. Yeah. And I love when they close it, and Sean Bean's like, they have a cave troll. And instantly, in your imagination, you're going, I kind of wonder what that looks like now, because you know what the orcs look like. Right. But the fact that they have something else, you're like, oh, that's exciting. What's the big guy? What's the, the mini-boss of this level? And he is a mini-boss. He's absolutely a mini-boss. And they do beat the first wave of orcs, and they eventually take down this giant troll with some well-placed arrows to the inside of the throat. That's all you gotta do. Make him look up. Right, and, and there is a fake-out in the meantime of Frodo dying again, but he has plot armor. I mean, chainmail. That's right. And then they all make a run for it, but it becomes clear that this level has an actual boss. It does, because they are running through this city, this dwarf city, which I don't know how much of a city it is. It's just a lot of columns that look great. It's a a very big columned mine. But I love how you see just that red and orange in the tunnel behind them, and even the orcs just like, absolutely not. (laughs) They're surrounded by orcs, and the orcs are like, no, we're leaving now, bye. And the fact that the orcs run off and then it takes Gandalf another like minute of watching this, like, is it, is it, is it? It's like, Gandalf, it is. Go! fire coming from? Should we run like the orcs are who live here? This is like the dumb Gandalf in my mind of like, you have a head start. Take the head start. You should take the head start for sure. But the Balrog shows up. And he looks awesome. He is a big winged beast monster. I need to point out that he's winged. And I will continue to point it out. But here he is. He's, he's all flaming and, and mean and big. And winged. Yes, Brian. I understand that he's winged. <laughs> he's going to be an issue. Is he, Brian? We'll find out. Are ostriches an issue, Brian? Depends on how many people you have. What does that mean? I feel like if you've got a party of nine, an ostrich isn't that big of an issue. But I'm saying an ostrich is winged. Sure. Okay. Oh, all right. Oh, my God. We're going to make rules now. I can't wait to talk about this movie with you one day for real. The party runs through the mines, dodging orc arrows and leaping off crumbling staircases. And they eventually come to the most narrow bridge of all time. Sure! Kazandum in dwarfish means narrow and good for advancing plots. <laughs> I was wondering what it meant. I'm pretty sure it's a direct translation, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Gandalf turns to face the beast to buy the time to cross. You shall not pass, etc., etc. You know, you've, you've seen the, the memes and the movies and the whatnots. That's right, all the whatnots. The bridge breaks. The Balrog falls, despite having wings. Like and an then ostrich, he catches yeah. Gandalf with his whip, and he tells everyone to run, but he's going to fall to his presumed death. I would have given even more money out of my own pocket to watch this Balrog tightrope across this little bridge. Would have been pretty sweet. It would have been pretty sweet. 
How does he even do it? Don't use the wings. He hasn't was, used them. I was gonna He's say too heavy for him, probably. I mean, I'm pretty sure when he showed up, he flew into the into the frame. But no, I think he's just walking, walking around. Maybe it was like a big jump. The flapping was just for show. You really don't like this thing, do you? It's it's honestly better than I remember it. Okay, so that's not saying much, and I know that, but I'll take it. <laughs> Outside, everybody gets out except obviously for Gandalf, and they are very emotional. It's a very powerful scene, I think. It is. They're crying. Oh, okay. And they're really spread out so that the There's, camera can explore the space. Exactly. <laughs> you get a really dramatic turn and single tear from Frodo, and you're like, oh, this means stuff. This it sure does. Bad news bears. Uh-huh. Walter Matthau. But throughout all of this, Aragorn is like, suck it up, buttercups. We need to keep moving. Good for him. He's right. I mean, those orcs are just going to hang out. They finally got out of these dark mines. They're in this open, dramatic field of crying. Yes. <laughs> the crying field. Just go. Carry on. Yeah, carry Do on, my wayward thing. son. So the eight remaining party members head to Lothlorien. Sure. Which is some kind of elven paradise in the woods. Yeah, different elf place. Right, other elves. They have darker or lighter blue eyes. Correct. That's how you know the difference. Yep. It, they are either darker or lighter. I can't remember. <laughs> Good paying attention, Brian. There they meet... Galadriel, played by Kate fucking Blade. Is there a role that she cannot play? I don't... No, no, she can pretty much cover it all. She is pretty excellent. I mean, she is Queen Elizabeth and Hela. I mean, how do you do better? Wasn't she also Bob Dylan? Was she? You know, I'm not there. Holy shit. I mean, that's proper range. I mean, granted, that movie's about different personas of Bob Dylan, but still. She had to talk like this. She had to do the voice. Now listen here, Hobbits. <laughs> that was more Randy Newman. That's true. This movie Which does have actually, a lot of left foot, right foot in it. So it checks giant out. foot, right giant foot. <laughs> but like tiny giant feet. Oh, God. If they got Randy Newman to do the music for this instead of Howard Shore. Oh, better movie. Didn't I write this for Family Guy? Left foot, right foot. You got a friend in Sam. <laughs> Oh, man. Ugh. Howard Shore, I adore you, and I love this score, but missed opportunity. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is Kate Blanchett is phenomenal. She's here, and she's great. Yes. Galadriel. 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 Gal. She is. No, it's Galadriel. Galadriel. That's what I said. So Galadriel, super intense. It can speak directly into your brain, which is just fun if you can do it. Marlon Brando rolled over in his grave, probably, going like, son of a bitch! Someone pulled it off! That could have been me. Bullet you were a green donut. <laughs> she tells the gang to hang out, rest. Y'all got a hell of a journey ahead of you. And then she shows Frodo the future. Well, all the terrible things that'll happen if he doesn't destroy the ring anyway. Which is wild, too, because she, like, pours this water into this mirror and Frodo goes and looks at it and then the ring is starting to go into it and he's like no and then he falls over for the 90th time in this movie right if you did a drinking game where every time frodo falls over you would die you would drink you would be very dead you would disappear and nobody else in the bar would even notice because they'd all be equally as drunk exactly so then he offers her the ring because he's like i'm tired of carrying this thing you do it and she's like she freaks out she goes full hella mode and then and she's like oh i can't take that i'm i'm, I'm embarrassed 
you got to do this on your own, pal. And also, look out for that one guy. You know who I'm talking you about. You know who. You know who. So the next day, they get to rowing down the river to more ruins in the woods. After Galadriel gives him the gift of the light right. of the elves. And this was the scene that was jarring to me because, yes, Galadriel gives that to Frodo. But then she also gives everyone else in that party a gift Oh, in the extended cut. And really? I was like, wow, that happened a whole lot faster than I remembered. Everyone gets stuff. That's Everyone fun. gets stuff. Parting gifts. Party favors. That's right. For hanging out with the elves in the most recent save point. I imagine that that comes back in a future installment because I have no idea. It sure does. So like I said, the next day they get Rowan down the river to more ruins in the woods. And when they get there, Ned Stark is like, give me the ring. And Frodo is like, I appreciate the offer, but nah. <laughs> you didn't say the magic word. <laughs> and then Ned Stark is like, I really want that ring. And Frodo's like, I'm going to put on the ring so you get away from me. And then he hides. And of course, Aragorn shows up and, and Frodo's like, this stupid ring, man, you know, you know? And Aragorn's like, I don't even want the ring, which is super symbolic of how good a dude he is. He's super good because he walks over to Frodo as he's holding out and he closes his hand closes over it. Closes the hand. But it's like raising a middle finger to Frodo too. It's like, you're stuck with it, kid. That's yeah, probably not a kid. Shit. You're just short. <laughs> just Sorry for small. calling you kid. Yeah. Frodo's like, well, this has been fun, but y'all keep trying to steal my jewelry, so I'm going to do this next bit alone. And then all the super predator orcs show up and start attacking. Yeah, and this always bugged me out too because all the super predator orcs do is just yell. Yeah, like the orc guy, they just yell, but they don't hear him coming. And Aragorn just sees the blue sword that Frodo has that glows in over auctioneer, and he's like, "Dude, sword, you gotta go. Run. We should use that more often, but we're only gonna use it when it's appropriate." For, for dramatic reasons. Right. For certain orcs, your your sword glows blue, and thank God it does for those certain orcs. Frodo leaves. Aragorn gonna fight. Exactly. And he kicks all the asses. So much ass. And everyone else in the party is doing their part to fight or distract the orcs from Frodo. Boromir gets hit by an arrow, and he keeps fighting. Then he gets got by another arrow, but he keeps fighting. Then he gets got by a third arrow, and that's not ideal. No, the fight's kind of out of him at this point because he has three gigantic arrows in his chest. Dunbin triple arrowed. And even the orcs know that he's dead because Merry and Pippin come over. They're like, oh, no, Boromir, who's never done anything wrong that we've seen. <laughs> they come over and then they get taken away by the Urukai because they're the halflings. Right. That get they those may halflings. or may not be looking for. So they get so kidnapped. But I've always loved how the orcs just go around Boromir as he's on his knees just dying. So they're like, no, nah, you're done, dude. <laughs> you're Except so for the done one. that you're not worth time. It's the, the main orc. The man. lead orc. He walks up to Boromir and at point blank pulls the bow back. And every single yeah. time, just like, that Brutal. is intimidating. Executioner style. Like, he's on his knees. He's like, all right, one more arrow for your head since you keep getting up and fighting, you jerk. And that's when Aragorn jumps in. And just chops off the lead orc's head. I love it. So good. And then Boromir tells Aragorn, damn, wish I didn't try to take that ring. Hey, promise you won't let Gondor get totally wrecked. And then they have like a bro down moment as he dies. Okay, Brian. <laughs> okay. You are diminishing everything good about this movie. <laughs> because this is so important that Boromir says, 
I would follow you, my brother, my king. Like, it is so important that he does this. Brian! It's incredibly important because he's the Gondor guy. And Carry he's on, like, Brian. Just keep going. Let's just get through this thing. I, oh, boy. I'm going <laughs> to drink heavily tonight. <laughs> Frodo does make it to one of the rowboats, and he's rowing out on his solo journey, and Sam's like, the fuck you going? And he starts following him into the river, and Frodo's like, Sam, you can't swim. What are you doing? And Sam damn near drowns himself trying to guilt Frodo into taking him with him. Yeah, but I love the look on Sam's face he's under the water because this is not the face of a drowning person. This is the person who's just accepting, like, he's he either like, well, saves me or he doesn't. Either way, I'm at peace. Like, right. Fucking hell, Rudy! What are you doing? It's like, I either <laughs> die now or I get saved by my best friend. But if he doesn't save me, I don't want to live anyway. That is the most ballsy friendship test that has ever happened. Right? Yes, Sam gets saved. He tells Frodo, I made a promise. I'm with you to the end. End of the line, Bucky. It's beautiful. They row on. So Frodo and Sam continue toward Mordor, while Aragorn, Will Turner, and Sala vow to rescue Merry and Pip. So happy he said Sala. I cannot wait for January. (laughs) (laughs) And it's crazy because, like, John Reese davies is a very big man. He's the tallest out of the Fellowship folk. Yes. And they made him the shortest. It's like, that just shows the craftsmanship behind this movie, that it works with him being a dwarf. Yeah. He was proportionally the correct size compared to the Hobbits because they hired all, like, five-foot-something actors to play Hobbits. It was perfect. Right. It worked out very nicely. Cannot wait to see him as Sala in Indiana Jones movies in January. Cannot wait. Going to be a lot of fun. But I just want to really quickly go back to the ending where we left Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas. I love this because Gimli even says, like, the fellowship is broken, it's failed, but Aragorn's the one who pulls them, the three of these guys together, the new three amigos, together. He says, let's go hunt some orc. We got our own job to do right now. We're going to be helping out from a distance, for the most part, for the rest of this journey that everybody's on. Cover me, I'm going in. Everyone's got their roles to play, and yeah, that's how it all ends for this one satisfying it's not and it's never been to me because (laughs) the story really kicks into gear right at the end here where where you have your teams breaking away in a way and i get that it is a really good cliffhanger to go out on because it does set up the next one really well but i've always just been like just keep going just keep going i'm never done with it here just keep (laughs) going i know you are very over it super done with it like an hour and a half ago and for your sake brian that <laughs> is the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring from 2001, directed by the Peter fucking Jackson. I love this movie. I am fine with this movie. I don't hate it like I originally thought, like I did the first time I saw it when it was forced upon me, the extended version. The extended's a deep Against dive. my will. That is Sam getting thrown into not even just a river, which he could just walk backwards and get out no problem. That is like the deep end of the pool where... You're probably shit out of luck. Yeah, especially when it's thrust upon you surprisingly. This time, I um I knew what I was getting into, and I went into it with an open mind, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I did the first time, but it's still, it's not my cup of tea. And that's okay, because it's not a lot of people's cup of tea. To me, it very much is mine, though. This is one of those movies that I hold in a very special place, where like when you watch it, it's a big deal. I don't know okay. if you have those types of movies where... For some reason, just like implanted in your head, like, no, this is a masterpiece. I really enjoy this. I can't watch it all the time because it needs to be like a special thing for me to sit down and watch it. I go through the trilogy 
once a year, easily. Oof. No more than that, though, because I need to spread it out. Like, Sure. You don't want to wear yourself out on it, because I feel like that just takes away at a point. I know there's a lot of people out there who could just sit down and watch this thing probably on repeat for forever. That's wild to me. It is wild to me also. but Especially because you said you live in the extended versions of this movie. I absolutely do, yeah. I, there, of course you couldn't sit down. That's 11 hours and 21 minutes of movie. It is long. That's a lot. This movie's always been special to me. Two Towers has always been very special to me. Return of the King is the most special to me. I still That's the one I haven't seen still. So. And I can't wait till we get there one day. We'll see. We will see. We will get there. <laughs> I just absolutely adore this movie, and there's so much to it between the characters and the craftsmanship behind it, the actual filmmaking behind it. I'm super impressed by the filmmaking. The filmmaking, uh, this time I got to pay a special attention to the actual movie itself and the way it's crafted, and it was it's super impressive. I mean, it holds up today better than a lot yeah. of movies coming out today do. This movie does have a $93 million budget, and it looks better than a lot of $200 million movies we see today. Absolutely. And this thing is going on 20 years old. Which blows my mind in a totally different way, because now I feel old, but... <laughs> yeah, really. I'm very happy to hear that you at least have an appreciation for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you snarked your way through, but of course, I had it's to. the only way you were going to get through this thing. It's what and the I, people were expecting, I knew that too. It's what everyone else knew was going to happen. Apologies to all the real fans out there of it, but <laughs> this was never going to go a different direction. It's true. I, did, I did make somewhat of a mockery of it intentionally, and I, yeah, and I do feel a little bad about that, but not entirely. You knew what you were getting into. Exactly. When this episode downloaded or streamed or whatever, <laughs> you knew what it was going to be. <laughs> So, Brian, let me ask you, Rotten Tomatoes, 1 to 100, what are you thinking? Uh, it's probably in the 90s. It sure is. Of course it is. 92%. Ugh. The audience score is 95%. I'm very much in the minority. Yes, you are. Roger Ebert did see this movie, and he gave it three out of four stars. He talked a lot not about the movie. Oh, okay. It was weird. That's <laughs> not like Roger. He talked about the book and his relationship to the book and how it related to the movie that he just watched. Okay. And his issue with it was that it's not a true visualization of Tolkien's Middle Earth, mostly due to when it was made. Hmm. He says, The Ring trilogy embodies the kind of innocence that belongs to an earlier, gentler time. The Hollywood that made The Wizard of Oz might have been equal to it, but Fellowship is a film that comes after Gladiator and Matrix. And it instinctively ramps up to the genre of the overwrought special effects action picture. That it transcends this genre, that it is a well-crafted and sometimes stirring adventure, is to its credit. But a true visualization of Tolkien's Middle-Earth, it is not. He goes on to say, The trilogy is mostly about leaving places, going places, being places, and going on to other places, yeah. all amid fearful portents and speculations. There are a great many mountains, valleys, streams, villages, caves, residences, grottos, bowers, fields, high roads, low roads, and all along the way, the hobbits and their larger companions travel while paying great attention to mealtimes. Landscapes are described <laughs> with the faithful detail of the Victorian travel writer. The travelers meet strange and fascinating characters along the way, some of them friendly, some of them not, some of them of an order far above hobbits or even men. 
Sometimes they must fight to defend themselves to keep possession of the ring, but most of the trilogy is an unfolding, a quest, a journey told in an elevated, archaic, romantic prose style that tests our capacity for the declarative voice. It sounds like he was bummed out that there wasn't as much of the book in the movie, which surprises me because of how long the movie is, that Peter Jackson actually did cut a lot of stuff. There is a lot not in the movie, but Roger Ebert also went back and read the book just before watching this movie. Yeah. Because he had it sitting on a shelf and he wanted to really get into that head space around. Sure. And when you do that, you're making a mistake. You're definitely setting yourself up for failure. The book is a bit of a slog, but it's very, very good because it always feels like it moves very fast, then slows down, then very fast, then slows down. It feels like you don't have anywhere to go, like physically yourself. So you just get to live in this world and enjoy the ride that you're on. Hmm. And he even goes on to say that the Fellowship of the Ring doesn't match my imaginary vision of Middle Earth. And that's my problem, not yours. Oh, well, that's good that he, yeah. And I really appreciate him even saying that because that kind of is the idea of an adaptation, is that the adaptation that you get is through the eyes of the person telling the story, Peter Jackson, in this case. Right. And there are a lot of people that say that this trilogy is the best film adaptation ever made because it holds true enough that it captures the spirit enough. I'd argue uh, The Walking Dead. (laughs) No, not honestly. I would not. Thank you, because (laughs) I nearly just took your head off. (laughs) (laughs) I saw the rage It built up really, really fast. I I had to backtrack that one way quicker than I normally would. Um. Yeah, it's, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. But I know that there is an Amazon series coming out based on the books. Right, next year. And I think that is a more appropriate medium for this series. So you want even heavier chapters, even though this movie feels like chapters, even to the point that they heavy hand the chapter titles from the book into this movie. Yeah, I think it's actually just a pacing thing for me. Personally, I think if you break it up into an hour episodes, it's easier to digest. It's easier to get involved with the characters. And I, I don't know. It's um personal preference, really. And that's very fair. But then I feel like you get into that Game of Thrones formula. Oh, absolutely. Where one episode, all hell breaks loose. The next episode, it's all exposition to build yeah. up to the next episode where all hell breaks loose. And you just get into that up and down peaks and valleys formula. And then you somehow are still surprised when the big thing happens every right. other episode. Right. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just based on the way George R. R. Martin writes, and maybe a, a Tolkien series will, will be different. We'll see. Time will tell. Ebert finishes. This is a long one, I know. He finishes by saying, Peter Jackson, the New Zealand director who masterminded this film, and two more to follow in a $300 million undertaking, <laughs> has made a work for and of our times. It will be embraced, I suspect, by many Tolkien fans and take on aspects of a cult. It is a candidate for many Oscars, and we'll get there. Yep. It is an awesome production in its daring and breath, and there are small touches that are just right. And he goes on to say, like, the way the Hobbits actually look. Uh, Hobbiton itself, getting that character out of it. There are some things in this movie that the imagination behind it is just stunning. And it's insanely impressive what he gets on film for $93 million. 
it's kind of amazing the way it's all spread out too because the 300 million dollar undertaking between three movies it's like bravo you figured out the math on that one good on you you want to see what our friends at letterbox have to say absolutely i do from march 8th 2020 sometimes a fellowship is just six himbos two daddies and a gimli (laughs) that's very good i love himbos himbos from september 6 2021 open bracket me watching lord of the rings for the first time last weekend every five minutes close bracket oh hey that's the scene from the meme (laughs) there's so many lord of the rings memes so many from july 6 2020 a hideous creature who will stop at nothing to get a ring geez i didn't realize my shapely but deeply troubled ex-wife Teresa was in this (laughs) (laughs) got her from february 28th 2021 and this is the theme of actually a lot of the letterbox reviews i'm gonna read it like i feel like they want me to read it ready okay yeah oh so gay (laughs) yeah i get it i get the feel of the go that's the spirit i think (laughs) from may 10th 2020 i'm frodo baggins and 2020 is that fucking ring (laughs) i think we can all relate with that one that's the most relatable thing that's ever been said there from from january 2nd 2021 when Hugo Weaving said, Mordor. I felt that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to work in a, a Mr. Anderson bit, like a Mr. Baggins, but it, it never- does not fit. Never came to fruition. The last one I have is from August 12th, 2018. This is one of those fun, like, oh, anyone. They say this. Then the next person, oh, yeah, they yeah, say yeah, yeah. one of those. So anyone says anything remotely bad about Aragorn. Legolas. Kill Bill Sirens. Are you the rightful heir to Isildur? <laughs> Didn't think so. Check yourself, bitch. <laughs> How perfect would that have been if when Orlando Bloom stood up? Wah, 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 wah. I would have quite enjoyed that, but it would have probably broken my concentration on the movie. What concentration, Brian? Oh, I was in it. I was in it this time. Let's see how in it you were, and let's give this thing a super stuff score. Let's do that. But first. And now for another edition of the Caped Podcasters Theater. I am terrified at what you have planned for this one. Oh, this is going to be great fun. Theater is back and Keaton Patty graces us with another bot script. Uh, he says, I forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of Home Shopping Network segments <laughs> and then asked it to write a Home Shopping Network segment of its own. Here's the first page. Dave, you'll be doing the part of host one. I'll be host two and the, you know, the, the action script. But why? Uh, because why it, Home Shopping Network Lord of the Rings? All will be revealed, Dave, in time. Okay. You got to wait till right. the second or third one for it to start making sense. Okay. I will go along for the ride. Interior, capitalism. Host one, host two smile, but their teeth are not for sale. It is the hour of purchasing. What is the next product of viability? Finger rings for the hand <laughs> in your life. 24 karat gold. We see the finger rings on a mannequin. The hosts take them from the mannequin. It can't pay for them and deserves blank fingers. The mannequin is arrested all the way to prison. Metal circles? Does geometry know? Geometry does not know, and if told, all is lost. Don't tell. 
I wear these finger rings all the time, and my husband's public plane never crashes. Not a coincidence. Coincidences aren't allowed. The words coincidences aren't allowed appear on screen. You can buy the words for forty nine ninety nine 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 nine. I would trade my entire citizenship to own these for one long minute. Not required. Just pay $5 a day for every day you're alive. Wow, that's exactly how long I plan on being alive. Not a coincidence. The words coincidences aren't allowed appear on the screen. You can buy them now on sale for $49.99999999. The hosts smile. Some of their teeth are now for sale. We have a phone call. Time to put our voices into another ear. It's the mannequin calling from prison. It has told geometry. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Uh, smoke half, Keaton Patty, but also thank you. Also thank you. Hey, it was all about rings. It sure was. How about that? How about that? Now we can give this thing a super stuff score. Start off with story and motivation. It's incomplete. No. Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) You thought I was going to go high right away, huh? I did, I did. I was waiting I'm going to be fair about this, because one of us has to be Brian. Okay, all right. So let's start at one. No, it feels incomplete. (laughs) You're right. <laughs> it does feel incomplete, and it always felt like it went out at a weird time for me. I agree. Um, I felt it less so this time, but the first time I watched it, I was like, wait, that's it? After sitting through, like, it's still going on, it ended so abruptly. I was like, oh, I'm taken aback. I kind of want to go 0.5, possibly 0.75, because this movie does have a lot of heavy lifting to do because it is the beginning of a trilogy. And it's why I think that opening scene with the voiceover narration by Galadriel is so important. I can accept that. I think it's a 0.5, though. I think you might be right. I think I'm going to go 0.5. I think 0.5 is fair. Hero, Frodo Baggins. Or is it Heroes? Is it the the whole fellowship? I think we should go Heroes with a focus on Frodo. I think that's, that's probably appropriate. Frodo's very heroic. He has no business doing any of this, and he's the one who is stepping up to do it all. I completely agree with that. I think you have some like Boromir and and Merry and Pip kind of throw a a kink in there when it comes to heroism. Sure. Even though a lot of ladies would argue that Legolas threw the kink in there. Ayo, kinky Legolas, Orlando Blonde. That's right. (laughs) I love the heroes in this thing. I love how... They all play their part. Yeah. Even if that part is knocking over a skeleton and having orcs attack you. Yeah, it's a part, though, Brian. It's important. It they had to happen. Gandalf killed. Well, Gandalf got killed because he didn't want to run away when he knew it was coming, which was just weird. That is weird. <laughs> I think for the heroes, I'm going to go 0.5, but I'm going to round it up to a 0.75 to give Frodo that little bit of a bump. And it's mostly because... I don't know how much more of a Frodo bump we're going to get coming up. So it's an interesting tactic, a 0. 0.5, but you're going to round it up for Frodo. You know what? I'll allow it. I'll allow it on this one. 0. 0.75. Villains. Sauron's bad. Barely in the movie, though. Right. And so we're told he's bad for the most part. We just see. They just keep telling us how bad this flame and eye yeah, is. These orcs Every and time this orc high is what we see. Touches and- this ring. It's like everybody's very henchy to a big bad that never shows up. He's at the beginning, but it doesn't last very long in that right. fight because he just gets his fingers chopped off. Exactly. But yeah, everyone is kind of henchy when you break it down, and Sauron doesn't do a lot. Right. And that's an interesting way to look at it. I think I'm going to go 0.25. I, that's what I would have said. 
So yeah, we're like I'm flirting with a point five, but it feels too dirty. Yeah, a point two five feels appropriate. I think we're surprisingly on the same page so far. It's weird. It's a weird feeling. I don't it care is. for it. It is. Uh, parents or teamwork? Got to be teamwork. It's got to be teamwork because we want heroes. So. Correct. Um, this team bands together when necessary. Um, but there is a lot of hey, give me that ring happening. Only by one of them. By one of them. You know which one. It is a team that is kind of just thrust together. Like they all do volunteer. It is lucky that it's one from each race. How about that? I'll give you that. (laughs) But they are just sort of thrust together. They do need to learn how to work with each other. Yes. And frankly, they got rid of the the one that was going to be tough to work with. So that just worked out even better for them. Really? I mean, Sean Bean has never survived a thing he's in. So That's true. (laughs) We'll get there. I think I'm going to go point five just because the team did come together. They formed you are now the fellowship of the ring. And then they right. were, the fellowship was broken like an hour later in film time. <laughs> it's like well, a third of this movie later. We were a fellowship and now. It really was just a fancy title, wasn't it? That's what it sounds like to me. But Let's go point five. Okay. Because they did get this far and then right. recognize they needed to go their own ways. Right. And honestly, even though they're going their own ways, they're still working as a team. So I think point five is. Fair. Fair. Still on the same page, huh? Me and you? Same page so this far. This is weird. F- female characters. Oh, dear. There's two. There are two. And, and one of them totally has the hots for one of the, the male leads. Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Absolutely not. How do you figure? Because there are not two named female characters who converse oh, with that's each other true, at actually. all. <laughs> You're right. I went right to the... Oh, Galadriel didn't talk about a, just a man that she wants to <laughs> date. But you're right. They do not talk at all. I'm going to go 0.25 and hope I get lucky. I think a 0.25 is fine. Oh, because thank of, God I got lucky. You know, Liv Tyler does does show up and save Frodo in that scene and, you know, summons the water horses. So we'll give her something for that. And Galadriel gave gifts that are going to come in handy later. Soon. And, yeah, in the future. Exactly. Setting. Start at one easily. Yes, I, I agree. I think they, they do an, a phenomenal job with the setting and and where they have shown how this goes. There's a lot of places that feel a little bit like, then they go to this place and it's called this. Haha, <laughs> isn't that neat? Moving on. But for the most part, I mean, everything looks gorgeous, but that's more style tone. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. And I do think they do a good job letting us know where we are, how long it took us to get there. Yes. Like, understand that there were things that happened in between. Right. They do. There's point a, lot a of, point B. <laughs> a lot of long shots in between places to know. They're they're walking there. They sure are. And New Certainly Zealand looks walking. gorgeous. Oh, it looks so good. Let's go with a one. Okay. Because I do think style and tone I will think, go higher. I think you're right. I think you're right. Style and tone. Let's start it at two. Let's keep it at two. Come on. Okay. Let's be reasonable. That's fine. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Nah, this movie absolutely sends it. When it comes to style and tone. I mean, this is, it looks phenomenal. It holds up 20 years later. It's done on a budget that's impressive. And it's only going to get better, which is the crazy part about it. There's never a moment while I'm watching this movie where I say, hey, that guy's a different size than that guy. And they're doing that with movie magic. It just feels like these people are actually this weird height. They did a great job with it. It's a magic trick. Very well done. Two for style and tone. Still same page. This is not nearly as contentious as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, this is. Gross, and I hate it. Music. Howard Shore did the music. Howard fucking for, Shore, yeah. Howard Shore did the music for this movie. And here we go. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm sure it's it's very good, 
Um, I was more annoyed with it than I was ever entertained by it because there were several moments where the music was so loud I couldn't hear what the characters were saying. It was intrusive. So what would you give it? Like a 0.5. Okay. So my argument for a 1 is that when you look at AFI's 100 years of film scores that they put out in 2005, so it came out after this trilogy was done, The Lord of the Rings is not on the list. Okay. But then again, nothing is after the year 1986. So they just stopped updating the list? I'm unsure about that. But one thing has always stood out to me, especially with this trilogy, this franchise. Think back on all the classic film scores that you know, like a Back to the Future, a Star Wars. Yeah. A Jaws. Sure. An E.T., a lot of John Williams for the most part. A lot of John Williams, a lot of leitmotif. You don't get that after like the year 2000, where there's not just a memorable score that stands out. Harry Potter. John Williams, I'll give you that as well. And but that's it also coming from somebody a who lot. hasn't seen a lot of the Harry Potter movies. Correct. And that does a lot of fun things as well. But I think that this is probably the best film score in the past 20 years. Wow. Mostly because not a whole lot has come out in those 20 years that has been terribly memorable. Yeah, Harry Potter is way the hell up there. I think Alan Silvestri would have a word with you with the Avengers score, but... I think you might be right about that. But you're right. I mean, this there are few and far between. Uh, exactly. And with the Avengers score, yeah, you do have your big themes that pop out and they hit you. And that's actually why I like a lot of the Captain America stuff is that it kind of builds. And yeah. there's different motifs going on for different things. Harry Potter's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But... I feel like Lord of the Rings does it on a much grander scale. Well, I think you're going to get that when you have a guy working on a movie trilogy for two years instead of your typical composer showing up and doing, what, two months of work. So Sure, but I mean, he had to bang out a few months worth of work for each movie, and right. each movie sounds different. Well, we're only talking about one movie right we now. We are only talking about one movie <laughs> right now, and you're right. I think that some of the stuff that's pulled off in this is just fucking brilliant. Okay. Between the Isengard, how like you have that hammer in the background going the entire time, that bum 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 bum, and it just lands so perfectly with it. You have that grand score as they come over the hill, walking as the fellowship is finally formed. You finally have your team together, and it's just such an iconic moment. And it just the music swells in the perfect places. I think that this film score is terrific. I'm gonna say one, and if you want, we could split the difference. You have convinced me just by your bum bum bum. You hummed part of it, and and that was enough for me to go, yeah, all right. It obviously lands. I'm okay with giving it a one. I appreciate you doing that, especially after I said I'd settle for a .75, but let's go one. Perfect. We'll go one. One One-liners. There's a lot. I cannot deny that there are a lot. I mean, just look to the memes. Let's go with a one and call it a day. There's a lot. (laughs) I think that's that's as fair as we can be on that one. (laughs) It might be low, tell you the truth. But also, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> one for one-liners. The last category is impact on the genre. The genre being comic book movie, which this barely qualifies. Right. Because it's a comic book adaptation of the book. Right. So, you know, for spiteful we reasons, it in. We, we, we made Brian watch it. Right. The thing is, the movie itself, like, if you take it out of genre, it's huge. It's enormous talking about it within genre not so much because i don't know that there's anything that's direct inspiration from it in our genre 
but I don't want to take away that much from it. You know what I mean? So I, I get what you mean, and I think you're being respectful more than yeah, anything. I think that's that's mostly what it is. So where are you leaning? I think it'd be fair to give it a 0.75 and feel like, oh, we kind of played middle ground there. Okay, so that's a high middle ground, and I'll take that. Yeah. Because I think that's appropriate Well, for I think this. if we had gone non-genre, it would have been over a one. So I feel oh, like it would have shattered a one. A 0.75 is, is being fair. Okay, 0.75 is fair. And I think you're going to be satisfied with this total score. You're going to think it's low, but if we had done it for Patreon, this would be low. But because this is for the main show, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring gets an eight. Yeah, all right. I'm okay with that. Yeah. A little low, but no, it's not. That I think is actually perfect for this it movie. It seems pretty fair considering how I felt going into it. <laughs> you know what? I'm proud of you. Oh, thanks. You really hated this thing before watching it again. I did. And at least you gained appreciation. It still might not be your cup of tea, and that's okay. Right, right. But I do understand why it's so beloved. That's something. And that's something I wish a lot of other people be able to appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to yuck anybody's yums. That's never our goal. Exactly. And to our patrons, I am so happy that you picked this as your second stretch goal. And I'm barely even mad at you guys anymore. That's right. He's almost <laughs> fully over at this point. Now it's in my rear view, you know? So Yeah, well, there's a, a two other movies, so maybe wow. don't put it too far in the rear view. I was so close to making them my favorites again. Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week is a very special episode because we're bringing back the KPs. They've been gone for about two years, and it just feels appropriate to bring them back. I think it's time. That we, we give out some awards for some some goofy shit, you know? We put out a post asking for people to submit whatever categories they wanted. It could have answers to it, uh, four choices to pick from. It could just be open-ended. Let yeah. us play in that space. It could have been anything at all. Thank you, everybody, for submitting. Yes, thank you for your submissions, and I cannot wait to see who wins all these categories. Should be a hell of a time. Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Gremlins. Get a little Christmassy. Email your questions and comments to katepodcasters at gmail.com. Follow us on all of our social media at katepodcasters. On Facebook, as always, we put up a post on recording day asking for your questions and comments, too. We got a few. I'm very intrigued. Christian Bard asks, is this the best Sean Bean death scene? If not, what is? It's pretty good. It's definitely up there. I would say it's top two, but I think me and you both have the same number one with Ned Stark. Yeah, yeah. Because that was just so well done. And where it fell, super unexpected how it all happened, at the time. Loved yeah. it. It's uh, it set a whole new set of rules. Absolutely. So top two, top two ain't bad. No, it's not that bad at all. Captain Spoiler Micah says you have 178 minutes of free time for the first time since 2001. What are you doing with it instead of watching the extended edition? That's not even the extended. That's the regular one. 178 that's right. minutes. Uh, there's literally anything. In that case, I'm watching the theatrical version of The Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring because I'm not watching the extended. Right. You don't have enough time. Done. I'm going to watch Catwoman twice. God damn it. <laughs> That is the most masochistic thing you oh, could have said. God. It hurt just saying it. Bill Hawkins. He's got a wed bed behead for us. Oh, excellent. 
He asks, Aragorn, Aragog, Aragon. I can't decide if I want to fuck or marry Viggo Mortensen. That's a good start for yeah. what it's worth. I wanted to mention earlier, Viggo Mortensen, his, film, his feature film debut was in a Fortress favorite, Witness, 1985. It sure was. Great movie. And I just I feel like it's been a while since we've sang its praises. But that being said, would you fuck or marry him? Oh, I think, think I'm going to marry him. I'm going to fuck the spider. That's the right call. Yeah. Because you cannot do either with a child. And right. Aragon is a child. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's not allowed. Right answer. Phil, thank you. Christian, thank you. Micah, thank you. Everybody, thank you for hanging out with us for this one. I want to apologize publicly for Brian. <laughs> I got mine. I'm very happy to hear it. I apologize specifically to you because I know I've probably got under your under your feathers there for a little while. I will get you back, and that is a promise. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Do you have anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for the Capies. Same pod time? Same pod? Nobody throws a dwarf. Thank you.